I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast, where thankfully we can be a little bit more positive again because Everton are coming into this off the back of a victory at the weekend. Uh, Everton got back to winning ways with a 2-0 victory over Norwich at Goodison Park, a goal in the first half from Andros Townsend from the penalty spot, gave the Blues the advantage before Abdoulaye Decore's strike in the second half, secured all three points and made sure that Everton put their two Defeats last week, family, family behind them. I am your host today, Adam Jones, joined by Dave Prentice, Connor O'Neill, and hopefully we'll be joined by Chris Beasley uh, very soon. Uh, we we hope that he's he's just chatting to someone in a, a, at the minute, but we're hoping that he can he can join us a little bit later on. But we'll discuss obviously the win over Norwich. Uh, the players who we thought played really well in that game. I'm sure there's a few that the lads want to discuss. Uh, we can talk about some interesting comments that Richarlison has recently made over his future and we can discuss another little update on Bramley Moore as well but Preno we'll have to start at the weekend uh 2-0 win over Norwich it, you know it wasn't a wasn't the most exciting of victories but a win's a win isn't it job done it was a it was a thoroughly professional performance um quite enjoyed it you know you got to put it into the uh, against the backdrop of the players who were missing and the selection difficulties that the manager had and um, yeah, okay. Take into account that Norwich are on a dreadful run themselves at the moment, and you know they were there to be beaten, and they look a poor side to be honest. I mean, you look at the quality of the sides that have come up, how Brentford have done and how Watford have done, and uh, they look like significantly, you know, sort of below those two teams. But you've still got to beat them, and we did it professionally. I, I, I enjoyed it. I was quite positive about it. I was a little bit irked by some of the uh, the negative, you know, social media reaction you see sometimes, but that's just the nature of social media, really, isn't it? You know, we've won two 0 we've beaten the team that we'd be expected to be beaten, and we've got no more fresh injuries. So, you know, so I mean, the Jordan Pickford stuff was reassuring afterwards. So, you know, so why be irked? Now, good performance leaves us in a good, solid position, and then we had the Brentford late equaliser to enjoy later on, didn't we? So, <laughs> it was uh, it was all very good as far as I was concerned. Mm. Well, I mean, Connor, going into this game, the pressure was on a little bit, wasn't it? You know, this is Everton going into this game off the back of two pretty disappointing defeats, you'd have to say. We all saw that stat about Norwich having lost their last 15 Premier League games. It all just seemed to be pointing to one thing, didn't it? You know, uh, Everton last season didn't really do well in the home games that they were expected to win. But this time around, as Breno said, it was a very professional job, wasn't it? And that's got to be pleasing to see. Yeah, I think that was the most pleasing thing because I think everyone, I was talking to Michael Ball yesterday for his echo column and he alluded to it and he said everyone had that doubt in the back of their mind of it's Everton, it's Norwich, Norwich is poor on the form, Everton two defeats on the bounce. He says everyone had that lingering thought in the back of their mind that, you know, things, if there's anything Everton is going to happen today, it's going to be Norwich's day. So I think that was the big thing, that was a big hill to overcome. And I think it's a big hill, a bigger hill than what people really count because like you say, I had the, the form last year at home it was dreadful, wasn't it? Especially against them lesser teams, Sheffield United, Fulham, Newcastle. You know, the, the list goes on. So to 
to come go away with the way we did the three points and you know I think I know Rogers had a lot of possession in the second half, but they only really tested Pickford once they didn't only really cause into any sort of real, you know, real kind of action at what one point in the second half. So it was a controlled performance. It was good. And if if Everton hung around them types of performance outside the likes of Burnley, knowledge this season, then they'll certainly, you know, be be comfortably in the top half because that's what really cost them last year. They couldn't grind out them 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 important, you know, not very pleased on the eye performances against lesser teams at home like they did on Saturday. So, you know, that that's the kind of blueprint now I think for like when Everton played them type of games, I think we've just got to stick out it, keep working ours and and hopefully when the chances come you take it like like they did on Saturday. Mm. I mean, of course, Preno, it was a very professional team performance, as you say, but I think there were a few individual performances that stuck out to me. And, you know, obviously, Andros Townsend's one of them again, isn't he? Getting on the score sheet yet again, fourth fourth goal of his Everton career so far, adding to three assists that he's got uh, over the course of his time at Everton. This time from the penalty spot, of course, making no mistake with that responsibility. I'm sure Richarlison was absolutely gutted wherever. Well, he was watching <laughs> in the stand, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, he, would, he would have been absolutely fuming going, oh, that should have been me. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it's great to see how uh, how quickly Andros Townsend's taken to life at Everton, isn't it? I, I love the attitude. I mean, um, yeah, we all thought at the time that there was a decision to be made and then obviously it goes to VAR and you know, so it takes forever, it seemed like, to actually make the decision. Uh, but he got hold of the ball and immediately walked away with it. It's like, and he explained afterwards, you know, I just wanted to make sure that if it was given, you know, so I was on the spot. So, you know, so whether they had a discussion beforehand and it was basically whoever feels the most confident, you know, so I get it on this occasion because obviously a number of like, you know, penalty takers weren't available on the day. You know, so he wanted to make sure he was that man. And that's just the attitude he's displayed ever since he arrived. You know, so he wants to make an impression. He wants to uh, be enthusiastic. He wants to impress. And he did so again. And uh, when you ally that kind of attitude to the quality he's showing, uh, you know, to the, you know, sort of the assists that he's produced and the goals he's scored, when you've got, you know, sort of a very, very favourable package all round. Uh, he, he was great, you know, so thoroughly enjoyed his performance. Again, Damari Gray showed again in flashes. Uh, so what he's all about, he was good. Um, might not be a popular uh, choice, but I thought Alex Iwobi was much, much improved. Uh, his performance on what he'd shown uh, the, in midweek against QPR, I thought what he did was was, was good. It was tidy. It was uh, it was creative. Uh, not everybody agreed, I know, but that was just my view on it. I thought he uh, he, he looked decent. And of course, Decore. Decore is just absolutely top class. He's everywhere, isn't he? And he's he's fast becoming probably the most important member of the team. I would think, possibly more so than Damari Gray or Andrews Townsend. Gray maybe might just edge that, but you know, so he's just. He's so important in, you know, sort of driving the team forward and tracking back. Uh, and he's actually getting on the end of things now. As the manager said, he's given him a goals target already this season. I think it was five goals, was it six goals? And, you know, so he's already well on the way to, uh, to you know, sort of whittling that down. So, yeah, lots and lots of positives if you look. I know some fans prefer to dwell on the negatives, but there were lots of positives to enjoy. And that's not even mentioning, you know, so how good Yerry Mina was. I know a lot of people, you know, really enjoyed his performance. So, yeah, it was a good performance with uh, some very, very solid high spots to enjoy. Mm. I mean, we'll go on to the midfield and the defence a bit later on. But, Connor, I think Preno's right to talk about Andros Townsend's attitude. It was quite interesting to hear Rafa Benitez at the end of the game say that. You know, that 40, 50 yard dash that Townsend made to track back uh, and stop Brandon Williams on the counter attack was actually what convinced him to take Townsend off in the end because he because <laughs> he thought at the end of that run he was like, Yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be absolutely exhausted after that. So I'm gonna take him off. And you know, as it proved, like Benitez did say that Townsend 
admitted to him that he was exhausted after making that run. But you know, those those kinds of things are what Everton fans love to see, isn't it? You know, as well as getting goals and assists, it's it's that kind of effort and that kind of desire, isn't it, that's going to win the Everton fans over. Yeah, absolutely, isn't it? I think it's it's really refreshing to see a new sign come in and really hit the ground running. I think you know we we've kind of certainly over the last five years we've had bits and starts, haven't we? With new signings, there's only probably really Richardson who come in and, and, and hit the ground running. You know, people have been in and out, but he's just coming and hit the ground running. And to me, he just gets it. So he just seems to get what Everton's all about. He seems to love the club. He seems to love you know playing Goodison. He, he seems to just he's just gets it. And I think you know, like you say there, that's the thing with Everton fans. I think. You might not be the most technically brilliant football in the world, but if you put a hundred percent in every week and you put a real shift in and you put an put put the effort in, then you'll get rewards and you get plenty of praise and and that's what he's done so far. But the beauty of it being so far is he showed moments of pure class and pure you know brilliance. I know he scored the weekend a penalty, but you look against Burnley, you know you're looking some of the games here on the season, Brighton, Leeds. He was so effective and and that's the thing if if you, if you're going to show that much effort and kind of commitment to the cause. And match it up with a bit of individual brilliance and, and, and a bit of quality now and then, then the Everton faithful will, will take to him. That's exactly what's happened to him. He's, he's been taken to him. And, you know, all of a sudden, the kind of the fears and the raised eyebrows, and someone when he, you know, Everton were first linked to him in the first become apparent that he was going to sign off the club, have all been kind of washed away now. And it's it smiles and no one's got nothing but good things to say about him, which is testament to him as well, I think, because, you know, he could have probably easily come in and thought, well, I'm just going to be a squad player. I'm just going to kind of, you know, I'm a free transfer, maybe drifting out now and then get the odd 15 but he's just took his chance with both hands and he's he's absolutely excelled and you know I know Perron said there about the core and it's becoming a, a real focal point but you know Townsend's firmly established himself on the first names on the team sheet now just because of his, his effort and the beauty for me with, with Andres Townsend is you know you're going to get from him I think far too much time in the past we've all seen I mean we've had Everton of our plays certainly attacking plays and wingers you just don't know what you're going to get from them. You don't know what they're going to produce. Alex Murray, for example. Exactly, <laughs> Bernard. You know, yeah. one, one, week, one week they could be well beaters, the next they could look like they never played football in their lives. You just don't know what you're going to get. The beauty of it on just is you know exactly what you're going to get from one week in, week out. And, and that's, you know, that, that's a real attribute that I've got to harness and, and look to move forward because he simply, you know, it's priceless that, and, and he was priceless in, in, in the summer. So, yeah, he's been absolutely superb and, you know, long may, long may his form continue. Mm. Well, I mean, we'll stick with you, Connor, to talk about Decore and get your views on him. There was obviously, you know, if you've seen Match of the Day, there was obviously a lot of a lot of their pundits were you know, raving about Decore, and I think it, Preno was right in what he said. He does look like a different player this season. His attacking stats, particularly, have looked really impressive so far this season. But it's just for me, it's it's just this perpetual motion. Like he's he can play just a one touch pass, and then he's instantly running thirty yards, making making those sort of dart and runs in between defenders or between the lines to try and pick up the ball again. And he's always looking to create things for either himself or somebody else this season, isn't he? And, you know, that's that's the kind of dynamic midfielder that Everton thought they were getting when they first signed him last summer, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the really interesting thing with Decore is, is that he seems to really kick on again under Rafa and, and Rafa seems to give him a new lease of life. You know, when he came in under Carlo, we were all, you know, taken aback by him. Just, I think more because he had legs in, in, in the middle of the field and he got about the pitches. And, and I know it sounds mad, but quite simply, Everton, Everton hadn't had that for a long time. I think before yeah. he arrived at the club. So I think it was it was so refreshing. But this year, he just seems to have gone up another level. You know, like Perron said there, he's, he's getting on the ends of things. He's creating things. I mean, you know, I know, I know we, we always look at the goals, but you think of the assist for Damari Gregory, you know, Burnley, the ball, that one 
you know, one ball, cut the cut the back cut the back line out and, and Gray was in. And for me that's he's become a real focal point of the team now. And I think the big thing for me moving forward as well is is that he's not he's someone now the opposition gonna have to mark. He's gonna become a marked man, which hopefully in saying or free up some of Everton's other attacking players to shine and, and come to life because I think in the past we've we've been certainly, you know, in recent years we've been one dimension, haven't we? We've had but kind of that one standout forward forward player who and it's kind of like, you know, you think of Lukaku, Calvert-Lewin, Richardson. Well, you know, if, if, if you look after them, you know, Everton pretty much won't do no damage. Now with the core the way he's playing, he's an, he's, it's another headache for the opposition to think about. They don't know where he's going to be playing because like we've seen, you know, you'll, you'll look one minute, he'll be in front of the back four, the next he's, you know, he's, he's the furthest forward off the forward. So for me, I think he's just he's become a real focal point now for the team and his energy and, and the way he's, he's taking his chance in front of goal as well. It's just making him an all-around better player and, You've got really got to give Benitez credit because he's getting the best out of him. You know, we mm. like I say, I think we also Carlo's getting the best out of him, but Rafa's coming in and he's, he's talking to him another level and he's giving him a new lease of life. And you know, maybe maybe Carlos should have given him some targets at the start of last season and we would have seen a new life because it's clear it's clearly had the effect Rafa wants, hasn't it? <laughs> give him a target mm. and 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 he, and he's doing the business. So yeah, I think he's been he's become an absolute focal point now and again. You know, you look at Everton's midfield and you just can't see no one getting in past Allen to call the minute, can you? They're just shooting mm. every week because they are so effective and they are so vital to the to the way Rafa plays and Rafa sets the team up. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, Preno, we've obviously seen and heard a lot of praise for Decore over the last couple of days. But do you think because of that, Alan's going a little bit under the radar? I think he he's shown himself a little bit of you know extra attack and flair so far this season. He was the one who won the won the penalty, of course, by making a little burst into the box. I think he has gone under the radar, yeah, and uh, he does deserve a lot of credit. He has had a very good start to the season. And uh, I worry about him sometimes because of that, like, sort of hamstring injury he had last season that, you know, sort of came out of nowhere, really, when he was just, like, you know, sort of chasing down a ball that my heart's always in me, uh, you know, sort of throws a little bit when you see him going on, you know, sort of runs longer than 10 and 15 metres. And that's because he is so important, uh, because it's, it's a nice little partnership that they've got there. Um, you know, his defensive discipline in sitting in allows Decore to make those, you know, long bursting runs forward. And he's very, very good filling in the holes behind and then you sort of tackling back and breaking things up. And the pair of them have had very, very good starts to the season. Decore gets the headlines, obviously, because, you know, so he's the one who scored goals and he's got on the end of things. Uh, but as you say, you know, so Alan's not shy on getting forward. And, you know, he was he was absolutely adamant it was a penalty, wasn't he? You know, so showing the mark on his quad to the, uh, the referee. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a penalty, you know, so he was, he was brought down. Uh, so, yeah, he probably has gone under the radar a little bit and he does deserve credit because, you know, so the pair of them have been equally as good as each other this season but you know for reasons that you understand Decore probably gets the headlines a little bit more so yeah you know so long may that fitness uh, and that freedom from injury continue mm. and I mean the positives continue when we look further back into the defence as well Connor kept a kept a clean sheet I think they only conceded two shots on target if I remember rightly they were both from that Matthias Norman in each half both from both from distance and Pickford produced 
two good saves uh, to deal with both of them. But I think Preno mentioned it a little bit earlier. Yerry Mina was so, so good on his return to the side, wasn't he? Yeah, and I think it was it was that, again, that reminds us, and I think Mina does that now and then. He, he comes back in and he, he has a real style performance. You think, you know, Everton, I've, I've got a real defender on the hands because I think we've all become, you know, certainly I, I did at the start of the season, we all become so fixated on getting Ben Goffrey back into the team as fast as we could. You know, you think of the, the Michael McKean, Michael McKean mistake against Southampton and against Leeds and Everton not really looking very assured at the back. And, you, you know, we were all kind of counting down the days for, for, for Ben Goffrey's return. But then, you know, you look at the... You look at the weekends and you think, well, if Keane and Mina play that every week, then you know Ben Goffrey might have to play it right back to, to get himself in the team, or you know, he could find himself on the sidelines watching on because the two of them were solid, and that's that's all you want. You just want your two centre backs to be solid and to defend properly. And if if Mina can I don't think there's ever been any doubt in Mina's ability, it just always seems his injury and getting that run of form. But if he gets that run of form now and he keeps himself fit, then he could well establish himself as Evans' first choice centre back, there's no doubt about it. Um but like I say, it's just, it's just in making sure that he remains fit and he, he keeps his form because, like we've seen before, he gets to run the team and then he gets injured and then you don't see him for four or five weeks and then he starts to, he starts to roll back now. So for him, I think it's just about staying fit and, and, and keeping that form and maintaining them standards he set at the weekend. Prano, mm. do, th- do you think Yeri Mina is Everton's best centre-back? It's, oh, it, it's a tough one, to be honest, because... You know, there are occasions like the you know the weekend where he does look, you know, so an absolutely imposing presence that, you know, should be one of the first names on the team sheet. But then he has these little meltdowns every now and then, which are becoming less and less. I mean, the big problem with that, as ever with Yerry Mina, has been his fitness and his um, consistency of appearance, you know, so being fit enough to actually play every week. Um, if he's fit for a prolonged period of time, yeah, he probably is, you know, so amongst the best, given that Ben Godfrey is struggling a bit, you know, so for form and fitness himself at the moment, following his, uh, his COVID experience. I thought Godfrey, again, was, you know, so much better at the weekend. Um, admittedly, you know, so in a right-back role, but, you know, he looked a little bit more like the Ben Godfrey that we enjoyed so much last season. But, you know, if, if everybody is fully fit and on their game and, you know, so playing as we'd expect... You'd probably go for Godfrey and Mina as as, as your you know, your first choice pairing ahead of Michael Keane. Yeah, you know, even though Keane's done okay, but you know, he has those little, you know, sort of failings, you know, sort of ability to make, you know, sort of silly mistakes every now and then. So yeah, you know, so to answer your question, yes, if he can stay fit, you know, so if he can keep himself, you know, sort of ready for selection week after week after week. And he hasn't done that so far. So that's gotta be the next challenge for him. And I know. It's easier said than done because you don't mean to get injured, but you know, so there are things you can do to, you know, to try and ensure that you give yourself the best possible opportunity of being as fit as you possibly can be. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed. You know, so let, let's cross our fingers and hope that he does get a good run at it and does get the chance to establish himself as a centre half that we know he can be. Mm. I think that's the interesting thing, isn't it, really, Connor? That you, as Brenner rightly says, I think probably Ben Godfrey and Yeri Mina when everybody's fit is probably our best centre-back partnership, but I can't really remember all too many occasions that we've actually been able to play those two together. Was it maybe Leeds away, I think, is the is the one that sticks out to me last year, is the one that they played, yeah. really, well, they played really well together in that game, but I can't really think of many other occasions that they've played together as a two, which is, you know, it's a little bit frustrating, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think as well, in some respects, and I know we touched on Mina's injuries, but I think last season as well, a large part of that was down to Godfrey's own kind of the luxury to play across the back fourth. You know, we've seen him at left back, we've seen him at right back. So, you know, I think his own versatility kind of maybe denied us the chance to see them 
to see see them through an action. And I think it will be good to see them through an action. Um, I think it's quite interesting today. You know, Rafa's comments, as he said, Goffley's, you know, kind of still 30% off where he needs to be. You know, he's, he's at COVID and he's, he's recovering and stuff like that, which, you know, again, you can kind of, kind of understand why maybe he's been playing an hour and 70 minutes here and there before, you know, the, the two 490s where he's played the last two games. But I think it would be nice to see them two to, 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 to get a run of uh, games alongside just to see what they can offer because, like you say, on paper, it looks Everton's strongest and most kind of dynamic and efficient partnership. But yet we've been we've been denied the option uh, for so long. But like I say, I think at the same time, injuries elsewhere across the back four might deny us that a little bit longer. We obviously, you know, Ben Goff having to fill it right back at the minute. So yeah, it's frustrating. I think again, it, it's just it goes back to this that thing of frustration. You know, we we saw it last year. You know, where we took touched on to Corey. And, you know, his injury last year. Where you think if he'd stay fifth for them that nine weeks, you know, what difference that could have made, Alan. You know, if he hadn't got that, if he hadn't done his hamstring just before Christmas, you know, Richard, it's just, it's just always seems to be that sense of frustration, doesn't it? Whatever, no matter what, what part of the pitches, you, you just think if only, or if they haven't, if they just stay fit. So hopefully now, you know, we'll get plays back and people will stay fit and we can start seeing kind of, you know, Godfrey and me and getting a, a run of games and, and others getting the chance to stake a claim and, and we can have competition for places like at the minute where the team pretty much picks itself and, We've got a few round pegs and square holes. Mm. Yeah, I'm quite sad just going through me and my records book here because uh, just trying to find out you know, so how many times they have played together and uh, mm. good, good knowledge. I mean, so Leeds was the last time, you know, so as a pairing in a flat back four, uh, but they also played, you know, so alongside each other in a three um, away at mm. West Brom. Oh, sorry, West Brom, uh, Mina was injured. Um, it was away at Brighton, nil nil draw, away at West Ham, one nil win, another clean sheet. And then at home to Man City, you know, so where we got beat 2 0, but, you know, again, it was a solid enough performance. It was only a very late goal. So, you know, the statistical evidence suggests that, you know, so they do play together well, you know, so they did are. Yeah, I mean, he gets subbed quite early in that Man City game as well. I seem to. Did, did, he pick up, did he pick up an injury in the first half? Uh, so that game, that game. No, no, it was, uh, where are we? Uh, Mason Holgate went off after 87 minutes. Um, okay. Maybe I'm thinking of a different game. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, yeah, that was the only substitution in that game. Uh, but no, the you know, suggestion is that, yeah, they can play together and they can form you know, an effective mm. partnership. So, like I said earlier, it's up to them to stay fit. You know, so mm. they can do that and give the manager you know, the opportunity to do that. Mm. Well, I mean, at the other end of the pitch, Prano, the injury situation eventually led to yeah. uh, Rafa Benitez giving a young player a little, a little debut at the end of the game as well, didn't it? Lewis Dobbin. Coming yeah. off the bench for the last few minutes, eighteen-year-old striker yeah. impressed a lot in the eighteens and the twenty-threes over the last couple of years. And I mean, it's always nice to see an academy graduate giving a debut like that, isn't it? It's great. I love to see stuff like that. Um, you know, and I love the explanation for it afterwards as well. It was because Lewis Dobbin had impressed in training sessions during the week, and uh, he's seen this young lad, you know, sort of giving absolutely everything, and thought, right, okay, a, you deserve a place on the bench. And then B, because you've worked so hard, okay, you know, the game's won. Let's give you a couple of minutes at the end and, you know, so just, you know, enjoy yourself. So, yeah, it was. It was good to see. And it also sends out a little message then, doesn't it, to other people in the squad that, you know, so what you do on the training pitch is noticed uh, and will be rewarded. Uh, he never really got the opportunity to do much during that game. But, you know, as you saw in his social media post from himself, he loved the moment. He was very, very excited to make his first team debut. And uh, then he's just described it as being better than he'd even dreamt it to be, which is great. You know, it, it's a home game. The fans absolutely love to see it. And it just needed a James Vaughan moment, didn't it? You know, sort of sliding <laughs> into it. It's, it's a knock on it. 
just down the street end, you know, so just to put the other cherry on the top. But, you know, regardless of that, you, you really enjoyed it. But, yeah, I enjoyed seeing it, and I enjoyed the manager's explanation of why he did it as well. It was good to see, and hopefully there'll be more of them as the season progresses. Well, I think that's the, the key point, isn't it, Connor? I mean, there might not be many more opportunities for Lewis Dobbin in the near future, you know, when Calvert-Lewin's back and Richarlison's back, with Rondon back to full fitness as well, and Ellis Sims part of the first team set-up. There might be much fewer opportunities for Lewis Dobbin, but it should send a message to the rest of the under-23s, really, shouldn't it? That if they do get the opportunity to even just step up and train with the first team, if they make a real impression and make a name for themselves in those sessions, then who knows, the door could be open for them to just be involved in a Premier League squad or even some, you know, get get themselves on a pitch in a, in some circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, you know, we kind of, I think it was much needed as well because I think obviously there's been a lot of talk, hasn't you know, Thierry Smalls actually kind of sparked it, but there's been a lot of talk over the last kind of 18 months, certainly when Carlo was in charge of, you know, academy graduates not really getting a look in, no matter how, you know, depleted we was or how much struggling we was, you know, they were kind of, and only from Broad, I got a, a run out of Brighton, did need to, you know, a couple of minutes last season, but there was a kind of a feeling, well, why aren't, why aren't these kids getting a chance? You know, we've got them, surely we should be using them, you know, why they continue being snubbed. And I think it was massive in terms of that sense in that by, you know, Dobbin getting a run out, it does send a message to the, the academy. And I think, you know, Rafa's come out and said, as he said, that, you know, anyone who impresses basically got a chance to, to come in, you know, Anthony Gordon is in around, is, is stays with him because he's impressed clearly, you know, around first team training and, not, and the club not, chose not to send them out on loan. So I think it is it is a big statement of intent by Rafa as well. I think it shows that, you know, ultimately if you, if you put the hard yards in and training, you, you can be rewarded. And, you know, you never know what's around the corner. Do you? you know, you could be on that bench as, as, as a youngster and someone gets injured in your position, you could get the nod to come on and that's it. Then you could be, you know, you could be a set in stone if you do well. So it, it was it was nice to see and I think it was important that the, the club went back to them, you know, values because, you know, I've certainly grown up and know you had and, and certainly, you know, Pennell will have seen it in his time. You know, uh, the youngsters coming through the club at will and, and being given first opportunities and going on to stake a claim in the squad and last couple of years that have been frustrating because we've not had that type maybe conveyor belt, but it would be good to get back to that level and, and like Pennell said as well, it, it's so nice to see, isn't it, as well? I mean, you know, a, a youngster coming off the bench to smile, you know, you see him at the end where he's hugging Rafa on the pitch and, you know, it, it is, it's a dream come true, isn't it, for, for, like, for youngsters and, you know, you can't help but just, you know, smile yourself because you just look and think, well, you know, that, that kid's done his, you know, done his dreams today. So, yeah, I think it was it was good for the it was a good important moment for the club to show that there is a pathway there, and you know it was it was a, a, a nice to see the smile of the young lad coming off the pitch as well, and, and just what it meant to him. So sometimes it can take you by surprise as well because you know remember that last match of the season a few years ago against Norwich when uh, you know all the expectation was around Kieran Dowell and uh, you know so how he was ready and you know, waiting for his big you know first team breakthrough through. And it was a, a younger lad, you know, Tom Davis, who actually sort of appeared that day that probably surprised people a little bit more. And then, you know, sort of kicked on and, you know, so and eventually became a first team squad member at Everton, whereas, you know, sort of Dowell um, was in the Norwich squad, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, so it's, it's strange how it works sometimes, you know. So if you get that opportunity, you know, unexpectedly, sometimes you can take it and, uh, you know, sort of take people by surprise. So who knows, you know, so hopefully a few more appearances for Lewis Dobbin. I mean, the only person that probably was a little bit brassed off was Ellis Sims. But, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's come back from a long-term injury, hasn't he? He's only just available again. But, yeah, I think he probably would have thought he'd be ahead of him in the, in the pecking order. But up to Ellis Sims then maybe to, you know, impress in training and get his opportunity. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, I mean, Preno, I've seen a few on social media try and use this opportunity to take stock of you know, how Rafa Benitez has started his time at Everton. Obviously, 13 points from a possible 18 in the Premier League is... You know, no mean feat and nothing to be sniffed at, but uh, obviously offset with a very disappointing defeat in the League Cup early early exit against QPR. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask you for like a number rate nor anything like that, but yeah. how how do you generally assess how uh, Rafa Benitez has started so far? Very good. I, I know people will automatically say um, we've only beaten the teams that you would expect us to beat, and I don't accept that. Uh, I mean, Brighton could have gone top last night. Um, and you know, so you know, but for a last minute, you know, sort of equaliser. I'm oh, sorry, he was he scored the last minute equaliser, but you know, so they've only been beaten once all season by Everton, you know, so in a very, very impressive fashion. Leeds is never an easy place to go, you know, despite their results and you know, the atmosphere there. Uh, so that was a good, solid result. I mean, as Connor mentioned earlier, you know, we had a lot of problems last season against teams like Burnley, you know, so last time Norwich came to Goodison Park, they won. So, you know, there's no such thing as, you know, oh yeah, an easy fixture to start. You know, you expect to get results like that. You might expect to get results, but you don't always. Therefore, you've got to do the hard work and, you know, sort of the organisation and select the correct team to get them. Rafa Benitez has. Uh, so now he's made a very, very impressive start. Uh, the players that he's brought in uh, have all fitted in well. And I know, you know people are still raising their eyebrows now at Salomon and Rondon. Why is it that Evertonians need to look for negatives all the time? Um, you know, the fellow hasn't played properly for four months and he's trying to find his fitness in the first team at the moment. You know, that's why he's struggling a little bit, but he's still offering a focal point. And in the absence of Dominic Carvalhoon and Richarlison, who else could we reasonably you know, select to play up front at the moment? Um, so the only downsides were you know, the QPR game, obviously, and I know it was only a penalty shootout defeat, but the performance that night was poor. And that mad 15 minutes against Villa, when we'd actually played very well, and you could argue again, but for a decision by the referee, you know, so it didn't go Damari Gray's way, you know, it might have been different. You could argue the same at QPR. I'm still convinced that Corey was taken out for a penalty, you know, so we could have put us ahead, but wasn't given. So all in all, it's been, I'd say it's been a very good start. Um, you know, we needed to have a positive start, you know, so to, to win some of the doubters around. And we're not hearing so many of them at the moment. Uh, so, you know, that suggests that the manager has done everything that's being asked of him. And it's still so, so early. You know, he's only brought a handful of players in that have cost next to nothing. He's not been able to spend anything in the transfer market. Yeah, he's already got, you know, so a high level of organisation, discipline, enthusiasm around the squad, made some difficult decisions, you know, so that are being pushed through. So, all in all, very, very positive. I think he's made a very good start to his, uh, his managerial stint at Everton. Mm. And I suppose, Connor, when you're assessing Rafa Benitez's start at this point, you've got to say as well that. Everton's next two matches, either side of the international breaking, are going to be against Manchester United and West Ham United. Obviously, two teams who have started the season very well themselves will have aspirations of European football themselves at the end of this season. Uh, so, do you think they're going to be, you know, benchmarkers for where Everton could perhaps see themselves after those two matches? Yeah, I think they'll give us a good indication in terms of you know how kind of likely we are maybe to push for the top six place. Um, simply because they're two rivals who'll be right up there for the top four stroke top six. Um, so I think it'll give us a good indication. But I think if you look in the 
you know, you look at the bigger picture and you think, that, you know, well, that we haven't seen that Rafa took to United in the, the pre-season friendly the week before the season starts and how much of a shambles it looked and, you know, they were 3-0 down after 25 minutes and, you know, I, know I, was, I was working that day, you know, doing the game and, you, you can't. It was hard not to sit there and think it's going to be a long, hard season. This, you know, it, you, I think every you know, in, in true kind of doom and gloom, Everton style, everyone got a little bit nervous. And you think of where we are now when we go to the this weekend, and you know the performances and how well organised Everton look and stuff like that. The improvements that Rafa's made in just a sports basic time, you know, spans for that. You know, it, it's just one game. I think you know, good indication to see where we are in terms of you know really taking on the, the top size in the division. But it's just one game. It's one game in the season. You know, if it doesn't go Everton's way, you know, it's it's simply a issue. You know, it's about dusting ourselves down and going again. No, we placed at West Ham. I think, yeah, it, it was a good indication. But you know, I think we've got to take these small improvements and as it goes over the season. I think you know one thing what Rafa's been keen to talk about and a lot of other people have is you know it's work in progress. It, you know, it's still very much a work in progress. And it, it, it's if you get a, if you can get a result, great. But if not, then that's just you know kind of the way. The way it goes, and we, we don't just start ourselves down and go again. But you look at the weekends and the ways Aston Villa, Man United, the same day after taking. You know, I think you know, if Solskjaer doesn't get a good result tomorrow night, he'll be under massive pressure on Saturday going into that one. So, Everton, you know, got to go there with the bit between the teeth and really take the game tonight, in my opinion, and, and ask them questions. And you know, I, th- I think last year, you think back when United come to Goodison and Solskjaer was under pressure and he was talking rumors about his, his future. And, you know, Everton simply let United off the hook that day, they, they were pretty poor. You know, they let United botch the game, they let United botch the midfield, and, and we ended up losing three, convincingly 3 1. They can't afford to do that on Saturday. They've got to take the game to United. They've got to get at them and they've got to kind of enforce, you know, enforce themselves in the game like Aston Villa did the weekend. And if you get a positive result, great. If not, we've just got to dust ourselves down and go, go next after the international break against West Ham. Mm. Well, I mean, away from the pitch, we've had a. Uh... One player in particular over the last day or so has uh, grabbed a few of the headlines. Richarlison first put some videos on social media of him working away in the Finch Farm gym, looking like he was raring to go to come back from his knee injury. So it'll be interesting to see whether he'll regain full fitness or not for that Manchester United game or whether he's going to have to wait until after the international break. But he did later talk about his future uh, to, I think it was Argentinian media, uh, he said, I'm always careful when I talk about it. I have a great affection for the people of Everton and for the club who received me so well from the first day I arrived. I don't know what the future holds. If one day I have to go, it must be good for me, but also for the club. But if I stay, I'll continue giving my life for this shirt and for the fans who have always supported me and were with me at all times. I have enormous gratitude and feel at home when I'm at Finch Farm or Goodison Park. Prano, what do you make of what do you make of comments like those? They struck me as as very, very respectful, to be honest. Of you know, a, a player who obviously obviously has ambition, doesn't he? But he's not exactly saying, "Oh, I, I hate to hear, I want to leave." He he seems very, very respectful of the opportunities that he's had at Everton and the gratitude that he still receives. Totally, it depends on whether you're a glass half full merchant or a glass half empty. Um, you know, you can choose to focus on the. Um, the line about you know my future is uncertain you know which some you know sort of outlets have done or you can read as you have just done you know sort of the quotes in their entirety and you know so just analyze them for what they are and you know if one day i have to go he's not saying he wants to go if i have to go it must be good for me but also for the club in other words you know so i'm, I'm not going to be agitating to get out and if i stay i continue to give my life for this shirt and for the fans you know, that sounds pretty enthusiastic. And the fact that he loves Finch Farm, the fact that he loves Goodison Park, 
Um, I think people sometimes just you know so put two and two together uh, where, where a child's in his concerns and see his demeanour because you know he's, he's not the most exuberant personality you know so he's always quite a serious individual you know so you could argue a little bit petulant sometimes uh, and he always looks like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders but you know that's you know so out on a football pitch where he's got doing the serious business of of playing football um you know that video of him in, in the gym was quite entertaining you know so you know alan having a little bit of a bit of banter with him again he wasn't exactly cracking the biggest smile in the world but you know looked like he was enjoying himself but to me those comments didn't you know so fill me with alarm they didn't you know so concern me at all it was just yeah the great there's a lad who's you know so enjoying where he's at at the moment and he's you know just basically saying i don't know what the future holds and none of us do <laughs> so what does the future hold so he doesn't know himself but you know so if he stays at everton he's more than happy to carry on you know so doing everything he can you know so to reward the people who've supported him so absolutely nothing you know to concern me at all in that you know so i thought it was quite a good honest and open you know sort of interview Mm. It kind of makes it clear, doesn't it, Connor, what Everton need to do to keep hold of players like Richarlison, because let's face it, at the end of the day, Richarlison's too good to be playing for a mid-table Premier League club for much longer. He's going to want it. Well, he's going to have aspirations to go and play European football, probably Champions League football very soon. He's going to want to win trophies. And if Everton aren't going to be able to provide the platform to be, for him to be able to do that, then he is going to have the the ambition to leave, isn't he? And you know, it kind of kind of sets Everton the challenge almost of you know put put in the project, make sure that it's all in place, and perhaps they'll be able to keep all the players like Richardson in the future. Yeah, it does, and I think that's the thing now, isn't it? You know, Everton, it, it's all well and good, you know, having having good players and who, who, who've got high high ambitions, but the club have got to match their ambitions, and the club have got to strive to move forward and and, and to reach the same goals that. The player wants wants to reach, so you know. I think it's it's a warning, isn't it? So Everton, you know, look, I, I want to be here, but we've got to we've got to continue to move forward. We've got to strive to, you know, look up the table and, and try and get you know European football and play European football. And I think they can answer them questions. I think that's probably the best answer they could give two questions about the future because no doubt he's probably he's been asked about, you know, is Everton future? Does he see his Everton? You know, does he see him future Everton? And that's probably the best answer they could give because in a way he's not really. Kind of, a, you know, he's not ruling out they might leave one day, but he's not certainly not saying that he sees himself, you know, leaving Everton towards a bigger and better thing. So I think that was the the best answer he could give. And like you say, there, I think he, it's just not to Everton. There was it to match their ambitions and to make sure that moving forward, they they have a, a kind of a real, you know, go at moving up the table and bringing better players in and, and looking to get you know, break the top six and then possibly to bring, bring the top four. And, Making sure that the Evans bet the better players want to stay and want to be around the club and they don't want to look to move move on and, and play higher. So yeah, I think you know, a lot will always be made of them whenever you know a play starts not what's his future. But I think when you consider what other players have said in the past around similar questions, then I don't think anyone should really be too alarmed by what Richard's had to say in, in response to them them questions. Mm. Mm. And I mean, Preno, a lot of the club's ambitions off the pitch, of course, centre around Bramley Mordock. We mentioned it at the uh, the top of the podcast. I've just been down to Bramley Moldock a couple of hours ago on a video that you can see on the Liverpool Echoes uh, Facebook page. It was pretty, pretty wet and windy, but there was actually there was actually some activity going on there this time, which was more than you could say for the first time. I was down there a couple of months ago. Uh, Everton released a statement yesterday confirming the uh, the the operation to rehouse the marine wildlife from inside the dock will be complete by the end of this week, and then they can get onto 
the more exciting bits, uh, as I've been told, of actually infilling the dock, of course, and then, you know, in, in, in a few months' time, actually being able to build on it. But actually being able to see this sort of tangible process with your own eyes when you go down there, you can see the diggers hard at work. You can see, you know, the, the op- new openings in the wall and everything like that. It's it, it, it fills you with that a little bit more excitement, isn't it, that you can see it with your own eyes this time? Yeah, it does. I've not seen that video yet, but I'm looking forward to it because, you know, that that phrase, just the transferring of marine wildlife. They're going fishing. They're going, you know, they're moving fish from one part of the dock into the other part of the dock, which is great. And again, it underlines, you know, so the, the levels of detail that have gone into this project um, and why they're wanting to keep all parties concerned completely happy and on board including including the environmental parties um you know so we know all about uh, you know so that the heritage groups and what have you and you know so their, their concerns uh, but you know environmental groups will also be concerned at you know displacement of wildlife so ever some are doing everything they possibly can to ensure that you know that is done in as you know so humane and as you know sort of safe uh, a, a possible way so it's good to see and yeah you know it's it's important you know so it would be my smile and you know so you know don't raise an eyebrow at it but it's very very important and it is you know so another little small step on the way to the big end product which is you know some the wonderful new staging that we hope to be in you know so three stroke four years time um yeah that's got to be done first and then you start filling it in and then once it's filled in that's when you know the real work can begin so you know little baby steps you know so on the way to you know so the ultimate you know so end goal uh, but yeah, it's, it's all good. It's all positive. And uh, the fact that things are happening and they're being reported on and the club are being transparent about them and telling people is excellent. You know, so it's all to be commended. Mm. I mean, that's it, isn't it, Connor? You know, these sort of constant updates about it now, they do just keep putting a, putting a smile on your face, don't they? Well, it's just one step closer to the dream becoming reality, isn't it, in many respects? Because, you know, it's it's something that we all dreamt about and hope that it'll come, come true one day and... You know, all this, you know, work will eventually lead to, you know, what we dreamt about becoming a reality. And, you know, we'll have a, a lovely brand spank and new stadium to, to go and watch Everton. So, yeah, I think it, it's hard not to get kind of smile. And, I mean, I, I know I read that statement just that they put out and, you know, it was none of the wires of actually what it meant. But, but it, <laughs> no, but, but, I, I really <laughs> do want to know what a bubble care is yeah, to stop yeah. just but, getting, but, getting back into the dock. But, but, but I did still smile and think, you know, that sounds really good. <laughs> like, like Penno said there, it's one step closer to, you know, it's, it's more work and it's one step closer to, you know, to, to us getting the ground. So, yeah, I think it, it, any, any update is positive at the minute, isn't it, around Bramley Moor? You know, it's, it's more work, it's, it's, it's more going on. You know, there's, there's, you know, these are things that, you know, a year ago people were, were concerned, like, you know, when were they going to happen? Now they are happening. So it, it's all positive in that sense. And, I just don't like the fact that Paul Dave's just done someone's job a disservice there by saying they're going fishing. I'm sure there's, I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be someone listening to this who'll think it's just, much, it's so much more than just fishing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a nice, nice little positive end to the podcast. I think, unfortunately, Chris Beasley couldn't join, couldn't join us in the end. Clearly, clearly, he's got tied up with better things to uh, to discuss than just sit here with us for uh, for 40 minutes but thank you it's all very much for, uh, <laughs> yeah it is his loss that's it <laughs> well thank you all very much for uh, joining us uh, we'll be back a little bit later on in the week to be previewing Everton's important trip to Old Trafford on Saturday afternoon me and well Bees will be will be in attendance for that one me and me and Chris Beasley will be travelling down 
to that one on Saturday. But we'll be back a little bit later in the week to preview that after Rafa Benitez's press conference a little bit later in the week. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.